Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, Max Muncy's bunting for hits, Tony Gonsolin's going deep in games, and the Dodgers are winning again. We have so much to talk about about Monday night's game, so let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching, I'm Jeff. That's Vince. We are here every weekday morning. Uh, we talk about ourselves all the time. I'm not going to say too much, except to know that we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, again, please smash that subscribe button, as the kids say, and let's talk about the Dodgers. Vince, the Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks 5 to 4. It wasn't actually that close, it was 5 to 2 until the ninth inning. The Diamondbacks uh, got a two-run homer to pull within a run, but didn't actually really threaten. And uh, good to get back on the horse for the Dodgers. Always fun to beat Madison Bumgarner. And a uh, lot, lot of good stuff about this game. I, I don't even know where to start, Vince. What there, There's plenty to talk about. Where should we start? Yeah, there's a lot to get into, like you said, just in this game in general. Um, but one thing, I got to start tweeting out what I noticed during uh, pregame stuff because – uh, the the stuff about the bunting, Max Bunny, Max Bunty bunting for a hit. There was the lefties were out there working on their bunting before the game. Dave Roberts noted that uh, in his pregame stuff, so that was out there. But Chris Taylor working on opposite field hitting for almost his entire BP session. I didn't put it out there into the world. I talked to Brooke from Dodgers Nation. We were talking about it as it was happening. Uh, so then later on, when he ended up did hitting the home run to right field, we both looked at each other and said, "Ah, oh, maybe, uh, maybe practice does work sometimes." Yeah, and and Taylor mentioned in his post game conversation with the media that that was the most one of the most. I think it was maybe his on field interview with Kirsten Watson. One of the most exciting things for him was just hitting the ball hard to the opposite field. He said he's, it felt it's felt like a, it's been a while since he's done that. And uh, after that really really bad stretch he went through, you know, I, I mentioned here on the podcast that. He, he was in a funk that was at least as bad as Cody Bellinger's spring training. But on this homestand, he's been on base. I think I said he's been on base at least twice in every game of this homestand. He only has two strikeouts in uh, the, the five games of this homestand, which for Chris Taylor is really remarkable, especially how bad he was. Uh, so, yeah, seeing him start to hit the ball is a lot of fun. And, and like I said, I, let's jump into the bunting, I guess. That, that was – I don't know if it was the story of the game, uh, but – for me, you know, we, we we heard before the game that Dave Roberts was out there. Dave Roberts was a leadoff guy. He was a guy who was built on speed. He was also a left-handed hitter. Uh, and so he knows a thing or two about bunting uh, for a hit. And he was out there with Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger and I believe Gavin Lux, right? Yeah, Lux. And, and so the three of them out there, and they were just working on bunting for hits. And I think all of us, when we found out they were working on that, were excited. And and one of the things, you know, people always say, why don't you just bunt for a hit? And it's hard. Major League pitchers are hard to bunt off of. But when you have a manager who 
you know, the Dodgers hitting coaches are good hitting coaches, but they're not going to teach these guys how to bunt. Uh, but Dave Roberts can. And he was out there and Dave Roberts actually got in the box and showed them what to do. And, and they all worked on it. And Max Muncy dropped one down in the game. And it's like the best feedback you can get from Muncy that I practiced this. You know, they were hitting off uh, or bunting off a machine. Looked like he was cranked up pretty good to about game speeds. And that's one of the hardest things is to replicate game speeds because pitchers throw hard and it's one thing to they all drop down three bunts in in every batting practice but dudes up there lobbing the ball you know and so to bunt off game speed and then for Muncy to come into the game and drop one down his very first attempt and it was a perfect literally perfect bunt and then to then have that followed up by Chris Taylor hitting a home run it's like that's the feedback you want as Muncy's like Oh, getting on base. And I feel like bunting might be more effective for this Dodgers team uh, because, you know, if you're if you're Max Muncy on another team, you don't want Max Muncy bunting because he's your power power guy. You know, a, a lot of t- times the opposing team will be like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Take a bunt single. That's better than a home run. But with this Dodgers lineup and the potential that it has up and down the lineup you really can pass the baton. And so just getting on base, knowing you've got Chris Taylor behind you, or, you know, if you're Gavin Lux, knowing you've got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman right behind you, you know, there is a ton of value in bunting for a base hit in this Dodgers lineup. Yeah, and the quote that Robert said was, there's nothing shameful about bunting for a base hit. And, you know, Max Muncy specifically, obviously Gavin Lux, Cody Bellinger, they have the speed to where, you know, they don't even have to do put down a perfect bunt for them to still be able to beat out some of those. Muncy's he's not slow, but he's not fast. He's kind of in between. Uh, he does need to put down maybe a little bit more perfect bunt to make it happen. And I think it's just an indictment on, you know, Robert's talked about before the game as well, talked about guys buying in. I think someone asked a question right after the bunny question. You know, it's just a matter of guys buying in and, and stuff like that. And for a guy like Muncy, who's been struggling, and I think Joe Davis mentioned on the broadcast first time since in three years that he's tried to do a bunt with uh, for a hit. Uh, it, it just shows that even a guy like him who's hit 35 home runs multiple times, uh, who's been a big bat for the Dodgers in the past, he realizes that with this team, he can do that and he can not feel bad about it and, you know, help his team out in whatever way he can, especially when he's struggling. So for for you to see someone like Max Muncy, an all-star last year, like I said, a guy that's hit 35 home runs in, in three seasons uh, or, or 35 plus in three different seasons, for him to do that, you know, it's a matter of sh- showing these guys, showing that they are buying into whatever they need to do in order to win. And, you know, I don't expect it to happen all the time, but now that people can see it once, then, you know, maybe the third baseman hesitates a little bit more to move over so far. Or maybe he leans one way and then Max Muncy hits the other. There's, it just starts off a little paradigm shift of different things that gets turning in the other team's heads when that happens. Yeah, and the fact is either teams will adjust or they won't. And if they do, well, then that opens up the, the field more for Muncy to hit line drives and Bellinger to hit line drives and Lux. You know, if they don't adjust, okay, just keep bunting for hits. You know, Uh, I I don't mind if Muncy never hits a home run again, if he bats 700, you know, like, I mean, it's uh, if you can get that button down, I wonder a little bit, and I don't think anybody asked Muncy this after the game, and I kind of wish somebody had. I wonder if it was anything specific to Sean Poppin, the the D-backs pitcher who was in, because I don't know if you noticed, but his delivery – 
he falls off way towards the first base side. And so it's, you don't even have to, I mean, it's so easy to put down a bunt against a guy like that, you know, even with Muncie's slightly better than average speed, you know, it, it's, it's really easy if you get it fair. And so Muncie, you, you saw, he didn't try to get it down the line. He, he used that big slice of infield knowing if I get it anywhere between the mound and the baseline, this pitcher isn't going to, it's going to take him forever to get to the ball. And, uh, you know, with Lunt's at Lux and Bellinger, they might start thinking about, okay, let's work on the hard bunts because they might be thinking bunt doubles once in a while. Uh, but, you know, whatever it is, I'm, I am a thousand percent in favor of it. And, you know, people talk about small ball and I always say, I got to know what you mean by that because I'm not in favor of sacrifice bunts, uh, but I love bunt hits. And people say, oh, I miss bunting and stealing bases. Well, I love bunting and stealing bases. What I don't like is getting out on purpose and getting thrown out caught, caught stealing, you know? So, yeah, bunt hits all day long. Yeah, and, and it's a matter – I know we're talking about it now, but it's a matter of, like I said, you're, we're not going to see this every game, I don't think. We're going to see it once a week, maybe, once a series, maybe. And they're going to keep working on it, but it's a matter of having that in the arsenal. And some people might say, hey, well, why haven't they been doing this for a long time? And, you know, it's just a matter of different philosophies. You know, Cody Bellinger last year, even though he was struggling, he was trying to get back to where he was. This year, you know, Max Muncy struggling, but he has remnants of stuff there, but, you know, maybe wants to have that that element of surprise there. Gavin Lux is a guy who could utilize it with just speed alone. Just speed alone should, should have him bunning, but it's for the proper situations. Max Muncy utilized it in the proper situation. I'm sure we'll see it utilized in different situations as well with either guys, whatever the scouting report says, or in different situations, or, you know, just in general of not – having not done it and then doing it to surprise the defense. Yep, absolutely. And I hope we do see it a little more frequently than that uh, because I do think it's a pretty valuable weapon. So uh, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about Tony Gonsolin getting deeper in games and uh, how he's focused on that and what that would mean to the Dodgers. So thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. All right, let's talk about Built Bar. Actually, let's talk about Built Puffs, birthday cake puffs to be specific. Uh, this ad copy wants me to say, imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting. That's disgusting. We're not animals. Don't dip a finger, dip a spoon. Guess what? You can get more on a spoon, uh, but don't even do frosting because that's bad for you. What you ought to do is get a birthday cake built puff. It is like a marshmallow covered in white chocolate that tastes like birthday cake frosting. I mean, these things are good. They sent me a box of them last week and, uh, oh man, they're good. I've had several it's a perfect snack because it's delicious it fills you up and it's not bad for you and so and not just not bad for you it's very good for you it's low calorie low carb low sugar high protein high fiber all the good stuff none of the bad stuff all the built bars are the same way they're all covered in chocolate they're all all those uh lows and highs that you want and uh and they're all delicious i don't know how they do it it's magic but i i like that kind of magic so if you like that kind of magic Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we are back. Thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. For your next listen, when you're done with this, maybe check out the Locked On Now podcast. There's recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, including yours truly, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, on my Locked On Now today for that podcast, uh, 
I, I quoted uh, the manager in Major League. Uh, well, boys, we won the game yesterday. We win again tomorrow. That's two. We win again the next day. That's what we call a winning streak. Uh, Dodgers have the two. Now, uh, looking for a winning streak today in the first scheduled doubleheader at Dodger Stadium since 1987 when the Pope, uh, what was that, Pope John Paul II probably back in 1987, rolled through town, and so the Dodgers uh, canceled their game so that he could have Dodger Stadium, and then the next day they played a doubleheader. Haven't had a scheduled doubleheader since then. They did have one in 1999 because of a rainout, which we don't get at Dodger Stadium very often. So it's kind of exciting having a doubleheader, huh, Vince? Yeah, I've seen a lot of buzz on the timeline about the doubleheader. I've seen a lot of buzz from just people I know. Uh, it also happens to be on a Tuesday, which is now Taco Tuesday at Dodger Stadium. It also happens to be uh, where they're giving out the Mexican Heritage jersey. So a lot of buzz for the two games. You know, it, it's just it's just fun to have two baseball games. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different teams do it different ways. I think scheduled doubleheaders are usually like this where they're far apart. I think maybe sometimes the other doubleheaders is like they play a game and they got like 30 minutes to an hour and then the next game starts. This one's 12, 10 and 7, 10. Uh, but what I do know, if you are going to both games, uh, well, someone told me that they called and you don't have to leave the parking lot after the first game, but you do have to leave the stadium. So yeah, you don't have a, to pay for parking twice. Yeah. I, I wondered about that. It's a split entry. So obviously you have, tic- have to have tickets to both games, but, uh, but yeah. And uh, yeah, the parking lot. That's great. You know, I, I'd like to see, you know, Dodger Stadium doesn't have tailgating. And, you know, tailgating is more of a football thing, but there's a couple. The Angels do good tailgating. The Brewers do really good tailgating. I'd like to see more tailgating. I, I think it's actually not allowed at Dodger Stadium, right? Well, we know why, but. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. It, yeah, uh, it's not allowed. They don't even let you sit in your car for longer than like a few minutes before they say, hey, you got to go. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens tomorrow between games because, uh, I mean, there's going to be people hanging out in the parking lot. So hopefully, uh, if you're going, be good. Uh, Dodger fans sometimes get a bad rap, especially in the parking lot. So uh, be good. Have fun. You know, there's nothing better in the world than being a Dodger fan. So just enjoy the fact that you're around other Dodger fans. So I saw somebody on Twitter just saying, is, is it weird to go to a sporting event alone? It's like, go to a Dodger game. You're not alone. You're with all your friends, you know. You'll never see them again, but they're still your friends. Uh, yeah. Speaking of friends, Tony Gonson's my friend. Tony Gonson went six innings. Really efficient, went 92 pitches, which uh, I haven't looked, but that's uh, definitely his season high, and it's got to be pushing his career high. I'll have to look while you're talking in a second. Uh, but he, after the game, he specifically said that he has been talking a lot to Clayton Kershaw about how to go deeper in games. Tony Gonson understands, and Dave Roberts was very uh, blunt and clear about it in his post-game presser. He said... You know, the value that Tony can provide to us is taking the ball every fifth day and giving us, you know, depth. And and so he said it's great that he's been talking to Kershaw about that because that's what Kershaw's done his whole career. And, uh, you know, Kershaw, we've talked a few times on this podcast about how the one knock against Kershaw early in his career was he couldn't get deep in games. He would he just uh, I, I pulled up some numbers his first four seasons. Uh, pitches per inning, you know, first year, 2008, 17.3 pitches per inning, 2009, 17.7 pitches per inning, 2010, 16.6 and 2011, 14.9. 
And it's no coincidence that 2011 is when Clayton Kershaw became Clayton Kershaw, you know, because going from 17.7 pitches per inning in 2009 to 14.9 in 2011, that's 2.8 pitches per inning. You go across six innings, suddenly that is a full innings worth. That means instead of going into the sixth inning, I can go seven full innings and I can, you know, there's a huge difference between coming out with two outs in the sixth inning and going a full seven as far as the bullpen goes, as far as your reputation as an ace. And so uh, you, you look at Kershaw's numbers and that was obviously the slider was what made him the best pitcher in baseball uh, and probably what helped him have the the lower pitches per inning. But when Clayton Kershaw was able to become more efficient, that's when he became Clayton Kershaw. And, and Gonsolin said, you know, specifically what he learned from Kershaw on how to be more efficient is throwing off-speed stuff for strikes, throwing a lot of strikes, not throwing non-competitive pitches, figuring out what pitch works for, for him early on to get weak contact and early in counts. And, you know, it makes sense. Obviously, all that stuff makes sense. A lot easier said than done. Uh, but for Gonsolin, I mean, it's a guy like we've seen. The I think the non-competitive pitches is is a big one because – when he is kind of struggling with command, it, it's not like he's missing close. He does seem to move up, down, all around, and uh, you know, be non-competitive. And and guys are are not really earning walks; they're just taking walks. I think that's where he's really got to you know figure it out. And with with the stuff that he has, you know, he plays up. He he has a fastball that can you know reach up to mid nineties. He's got the the splitter that drops down and can get the ground ball. So. He's a guy that can move stuff around and be able to get outs early in the count, like like Kershaw said, but still be able to rack up strikeouts. And that's what we saw. He, you know, six innings, seven strikeouts. That's a pretty solid night for for a starting pitcher. And then you add in everything else, you know, and being efficient, 92 pitches, and it, it all adds up. And it's something that the Dodgers not only need right now, but are going to need throughout the rest of the season. And a, a guy like Gonsolin, who you know was forgotten on this very podcast, kind of a little bit or lost in the shuffle a little bit before the season. Uh, and he's been one of the bright spots for the Dodgers, obviously been healthy uh, for the Dodgers and a guy that they're really going to start counting on to continue to be a guy that can give them six innings uh, night in and night out. Yeah, absolutely. 92 pitches actually ties his career high. Uh, August 30th, 2019, he threw 92 pitches. Uh, he also has two games of 90 pitches, one in 2019 and one in 2020. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's uh, the most pitches he's thrown in a long time. And uh, but you, if you look the time in 2019 when he threw 92 pitches, he only went five innings. You know, this time he got through six innings on his 92 pitches, and that's great. You know, as he gets built up more, because he'll become a guy who we, we could go 105 pitches with him, and you know, that means oh, I could go seven innings. Getting seven innings occasionally from Gonsolin and six innings consistently would be huge for this Dodgers team, especially right now. You know, it's so probably over talked about the the stress the Dodgers are going through right now, but how huge was it that the Dodgers used Tony Gonsolin and then Caleb Ferguson in his return, which we'll talk about in the next segment, uh, Daniel Hudson getting back on the horse and then Craig Kimbrell getting a safe. It's like, you know, it, it, it's great. You didn't have to use all your big arms. You, you basically, the bullpen is now pretty well rested for the next few days, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, and you're gonna somebody's gonna go down. Pepio's gonna come up unless he's or Pepio will be the extra guy, I would imagine, because he was still with the Dodgers, uh, even though they didn't uh, actually announce him as a starting pitcher. 
I don't know if that's a gamesmanship thing or just a matter of maybe they're going to try an opener. I know they haven't done it so far this year, but either way, uh, like, like you said, it, it was basically a night off for the bullpen because Ferguson, uh, he's built up to go back-to-back. Dave Roberts did say that, so he can go. And then Hudson and Kimbrell can both go back-to-back if needed, probably in the later game rather than the early game. But either way, uh, the Dodgers are, are looking better than they would have been if he had struggled and gone four. Yep. So we're going to come back in a minute. We are going to talk a little bit more about Caleb Ferguson's return, and we're going to talk about how it's kind of fun to to beat Madison Bumgarner. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Guess what? Rock Auto, I'm not going to read what they told me to read because I have personal experience, and my personal experience trumps everything. I needed a part for my car car we just got from my wife's grandma i told you guys this story but if you don't listen every day i'm telling it again uh at the auto parts store the part was 49.99 on rock auto eight dollars and 16 cents went on youtube found a video how to fix this the the broken car handle door uh car door handle whatever so we could open the door it's important uh ordered the part for eight dollars and 16 cents my 15 year old son and i went out in the in the driveway 10 minutes we had this thing fixed instead of spending 50 bucks at the auto parts store we spent eight dollars and 16 cents at rockauto.com this is not an isolated incident every time i've needed auto parts and i've looked at rockauto.com the price has been significantly cheaper than what i would have paid elsewhere i unless you like spending more money if you're the kind of person who likes to spend more money go ahead and do it but never go to an auto parts store again go to rock auto it's a website you can do it from home they'll ship the parts right to you so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right, we are back and uh, let's talk about Caleb Ferguson a little bit more. We mentioned him in the last segment, but uh, first time pitching in, I mean, nearly two years at this point, it was August of 2020. Uh, last time he pitched in a game, uh, just basically right before the Dodgers, you know, went on to win the World Series. And so, I mean, he was a part of that team. He gets his World Series ring, but, you know, that had to have been hard for him to not get to pitch in the World Series. Hopefully he'll get that chance this year. And it was really good to see Caleb Ferguson back on the mound. I don't know what to expect from him this year. He had turned into a really dominant reliever in 2020. I don't know when he will get back to that point, but seeing him come out there, have a successful inning and and just be – back on the team made me very happy yeah i gotta imagine that first outing back regardless of pitching in spring regardless of pitching in the minor leagues that first outing back after tommy john has got to be one of the more relieving things uh in sports in terms of coming back from injury and from what we heard about his time in the minors you know it wasn't the greatest in terms numbers wise uh his fastball wasn't quite where it was before he got hurt uh, he had kind of changed a little bit. He's gone, I think, to more of a curve. Uh, or I don't know if he was working on that or that's something he's throwing now, a little bit more curve heavy. Uh, but the fastball was where he was at. He was a fastball heavy pitcher before the injury. I would imagine he wants to get back to that. Now he did touch 94. It looked like a fast 94 uh, to strike out. Perdomo made him fall over, uh, got a ground ball. That would have been a double play. 
uh, most nights or more against most guys, but the, whoever it is, number five on the D-backs, he's, he's pretty fast, uh, but then ended up getting another ground ball. A nice, easy inning, which was good. I'm glad the Dodgers had scored a couple runs just before that with Taylor's home run because, you know, just coming back, coming in uh, first time back, in a 3-2 game in the seventh inning, it's just a little bit more stressful to add on top to the stress you probably already have about actually throwing in a major league game. Uh, so I'm glad the Dodgers put up some more runs. And, yeah, it was good to see. Like you said, I don't – coming into this season, we had kind of pegged him as, you know, for the most part, guys come back fully from Tommy John, if not fully back to where they were, maybe even a little better. Uh, we kind of had pegged him as that guy. We don't know right now, just based on what we've seen stuff-wise, uh, but it was a good first step to make. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, topped out at 95.3 on the foul ball by Perdomo. Uh, strike three was 93.8. He also had a 94.6, 94.2 in that at bat. Uh, yeah, I mean, his stuff looked really good. And, you know, we, we had heard when he was rehabbing in the minors that his stuff was having some issues. Uh but you also never know. It's I think rehabbing in the minors is kind of like spring training. You're working on things, and uh, you know, winning a spring training game isn't important to Caleb Ferguson when he's trying to get back to the big leagues. It's getting his pitches working, and, and so you never know what sequencing he's doing or if there's something specific he's working on. So results don't matter as much, but uh, to see him out there with when the results do matter and seeing that the stuff looked good, the command looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, all in all, very promising and, and exciting for for Ferguson and for us. Yeah. Fellow Tommy John uh, surgery recipient, Dustin May was at home watching the game and uh, put a shout out to Ferguson on Instagram. So that was cool to see, you know, Dustin May's been working out. Uh, he just posted the other day, it was a year since actual surgery. He's throwing bullpens. So he's progressing along uh, on that note, not Tommy John wise, but Andrew Heaney is going to throw his first bullpen since being injured today on Tuesday so hopefully that means he's on the track to maybe get out to a rehab Simon in the next couple weeks or week or so and the Dodgers can get him back sooner rather than later and the other note was David Price was on the taxi squad and was likely to be activated Tuesday Dave Roberts said as well so uh, there could be a couple moves coming uh, pitching wise on Tuesday ahead of the doubleheader yeah and David Price being activated would mean they need that 40-man roster spot back so that's where we see shane green thanks for the two great innings got got the win and now you're dfa'd and we'll see if he clears waivers and heads back to triple a with the dodgers or if he leaves the organization it's it's the the nature of the beast when you're a veteran who gets added to the 40-man roster like that mitch white was also with the team and he's been on the COVID il so he's going to be you know whether it's a you know he might go on a rehab assignment to get built up a little bit uh, i don't know but uh yeah, those two 40-man roster spots are going to be needed soon. Um, speaking of Tommy John recipients, uh, Daniel Hudson's had at least two Tommy Johns in his career. He pitched the eighth inning, looked really good. His stuff was good. It was a good bounce back after his two uh, bad outings in a row. So that was good to see. But really, you know, the most – I don't know about the best thing to see, but it's really fun to watch the Dodgers beat Madison Bumgarner. Uh, it's – I, I don't like the guy, you know, I'm sure he's a nice, I, I know people who know him. You know, I went to high school with Hunter Pence's sister-in-law and, and she, we're still friends and she swears Madison Bumgarner is the nicest guy in the world off the field. I don't care. Like 
he must have a medical condition condition. Nobody should snot rocket that often. You know, he's got that face. He's got everything about Madison Bumgarner. I want him to lose every time he pitches, especially when it's against the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit bummed when Mookie Betts got that RBI single. I was bummed that it got past the center fielder uh, because I want all the runs ever scored against Madison Bumgarner to be earned. But I think all three of those runs ended up being earned anyway because of Freeman's subsequent double because the, the scorekeeper will reenact the inning without the error. And so, you know, Mookie's uh, single would have driven in a run. And, and so uh, I think the scorekeeper determined that Freeman's double would have scored the other two runs. And so all three runs are earned, which is good. Uh, yeah, just uh, I want I, I wish no per, personal harm on him. I hope he has a happy, nice, happy life. But I hope that every experience he ever has on the baseball field for the rest of his career is sad. Yeah, what ended up did being three earned runs. And the thing with Bumgarner is he sucked that first year with the D-backs. Um, and it, it he hasn't faced – I don't think he faced the Dodgers last year. I want to say that's what Dave Roberts said before the game. But either way, it's satisfying to beat Madison Bumgarner. It is a little bit different with him being in a Diamondbacks uniform rather than a Giants uniform. Uh, but it still doesn't take it too much. It doesn't take too much away from the satisfaction of beating him. He's a guy who has been good so far this year, and I'm glad the Dodgers were able to get to him there later in the, in the fifth inning, knock him out of the game. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's just you know he got the most booze out of anyone in the Diamondbacks lineup ahead before, ahead of the game. Uh, anytime I think about Bumgarner now, I think about his last game when they thought the Giants were going to trade him and. Uh, they had the did the year of get it out of the ocean, and then the Dodgers, Dieter Rule and DJ Severe were playing different water related theme songs and and songs of that nature. So it's it's taking a little bit of the like enemy arch enemy part away with him not being on the Giants, but it's still satisfying seeing him lose. And then then when they showed the the replay of him with the umpire, even though the umpire was in the wrong at the end of the day. Uh, it's still funny to see someone get that mad over something that, you know, wasn't really anything too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The umpire was definitely wrong, but you know, you <laughs> can forgive the umpire when it's Bumgarner. Uh, he did face the Dodgers one time last year uh, on May 17th, gave up a home run to Will Smith and an RBI single to Albert Pujols went four innings, allowed those two runs and took the loss. Uh, but yeah, this year he has been, he's been really good. And so it's uh and you could see it. I mean, he's not the same pitcher he used to be. His stuff isn't as good as it used to be, but you can see why he's still effective. He mixes things well. He locates well, all that stuff. And so uh, his his ERA this year is, coming into today, was 178. Uh, but his FIP, 469. And so there's maybe a little bit of luck there. And I think what we saw there uh, today was the Dodgers, you know, stringing together some hits and and showing that, because you know, even then, he didn't give up any home runs. Uh, he didn't strike out very many guys, did he? One strikeout. One strikeout. So, yeah, that's the that's the big thing. The Dodgers were putting the bat on the ball. And so even when he was holding them scoreless, you kind of felt the whole time like, okay, they're, they're getting ready to break out. They're, they're putting the bat on the ball. You know, Gavin Lux hit that deep fly out to right field. And then whoever, I think it was Mookie, Mookie the next batter, deep fly out to left field. And so, you know, okay, they're starting to hit the ball. They just got to figure out these angles a little bit. And they figured out the angles in, in the – fifth inning and and got the job done and made him throw a thousand pitches that inning which knocked him out of the game so all in all uh yeah i mean 
I, I actually enjoy it more when the Dodgers beat Bumgarner when he is pitching well, because, you know, it was almost sad that one you were talking about after the go get out of the ocean, when the Dodgers knocked him out and it's like, Oh, you know, if you, if you were a human being, I'd feel really bad for you, you know? Um, but this, it's like, Oh yeah, you're Madison Bumgarner. Maybe not at the top of your game, but like you're a good pitcher. And yeah. So it's, it feels even better for the Dodgers to knock him around a little bit. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we are petty. Uh, we don't like Madison Bumgarner, and we're not afraid to admit it. Uh, this is Locked On Dodgers, uh, and we could call it Locked On We Hate Madison Bumgarner. Uh, I'll have to see if that's trademarked. But uh, I think that's it. It was a fun, good team victory. Vince, you got anything else to add? Nothing else to add. All right, so we got the doubleheader today. If you're listening Tuesday morning, get ready. The game starts at noon. Another one at 7 tonight. Uh, so... Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. It means the world to us. We'll be back tomorrow to talk all about the doubleheader. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot to talk about. Hopefully two wins and, uh, you know, double this current winning streak and really get things back on track. Put the D-backs back under 500 where they belong. Uh, so now for your second lesson, check out Locked On MLB, where Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. If you are not watching or listening to Locked On Dodgers every day, we would love if you would add one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have friends or family who love the Dodgers as much as you do, please tell them about the show and maybe they'll like it too. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places so you can get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of us by email if you want to. The address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. Or you can send us a voicemail or a text message at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.